Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find our show on Twitter at Fantasy, the letter B, Beat, B-E-A-T. My name is Chris Torres. I'm going to be your host today, joined here by my co-host, Mike Carter of Fantrax and Rotoballer. Mike, what's going on? How are we doing today? Man, I'm tired. It's been, yeah. a, it's been, it's been a long week. There was a couple of full moons earlier this week. I don't. Nobody's going to convince me that it wasn't just based on the student behavior this week. Boy, it was a long week. But the good news is this. Tomorrow is a uh, countywide institute day, and all of my staff are going to institute days, and there are no students in the building. So I can get an eight-hour day in tomorrow with no questions, no one lining up at my door to ask me anything. I could just do my job. I'm I'm guessing I'll get about three days worth of work done tomorrow. How are you doing, Chris? How's your week been going? I'm good, man. Yeah, the the full moon thing, especially I feel like in our field, uh, in the field of mental health, like that's a thing, man. Like I'm always when I see that full moon out there, I'm like, oh, boy, (laughs) I'm in for it this week. And uh, most of the time I feel like uh, that happens. So, but yeah, I'm doing good, man. Just you know, following everything, excited that we're kind of in the flow now of spring training. Every day we're getting more news coming out. So definitely exciting. We are getting closer to opening day. But one um, month, one month, right? But didn't they say today one month from today? Is it still one month? Oh, I can't come soon enough, man. <laughs> but uh anyway, I am very excited to uh we are very excited to have on a very good guest here. Uh, We have Jack Summers here with us, and I've been following him for a little bit and really enjoyed the uh, content that he's been putting out on X and, you know, just really informative stuff about the Arizona Diamondbacks. So um, actually, let me pull up your Twitter handle because it's a little different. So you can find Jack on Twitter um, at ShoeWizard59. That's an interesting name, so I'll have to ask about that. But uh, he is a writer for Fan Nation inside the Diamondbacks. Um, You can find the URL for that on his Twitter profile, again, at ShoeWizard59. Jack, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me in, Chris and Mike. Pleasure to meet you guys, too. It's always fun meeting new baseball guys. Absolutely. Yeah, we're we're excited to have you on. All right. So, Jack, if you could tell us um, just kind of what the vibe is right now at Diamondback Spring Training and, and what so far has been your biggest takeaway. Sure. Well, um, as we know, the Diamondbacks made some pretty big offseason moves to plug some perceived holes by bringing in veterans. So you have Jock Peterson signed the DH. They also brought, brought in Randall Gritchick. Of course, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, big signing as a pitcher and trading for uh, good vibes only, Eugenio Suarez. That's his, <laughs> that's his, that's what he's known for. So I think they went out of their way to bring in guys that they felt would be positive clubhouse additions. Um, but on the field, you know, these are guys that are proven veterans, more or less, but also known quantities. You're probably not going to turn back the clock and get their absolute best peak season out of them because of where they're at age-wise. And it's just interesting for me to see the dynamic in the clubhouse, um, how this feel-good, 
you know, little engine that could vibe that they had going in postseason last year, um, how they're all going to mesh together. It all sounds great at the beginning of spring training, right? Everybody's, you know, going to be all in and say all the right things. But I think they got some challenges to actually mesh all these guys together. Um, so I'm kind of watching that closely. Nothing negative, um, mm-hmm. but maybe that's just me projecting a little bit. And one, <laughs> hey, you know, they're going to be able to keep the good vibes going all the way through. Um, the second biggest takeaway for the Diamondbacks is they're getting banged up early. Um, first, you know, uh, hit was um, Kevin Ginkle coming down with a sore elbow. He still hasn't pitched in the game. He hasn't even pitched a live BP. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Geraldo Podomo, he's been, you know, he's got a big ice pack on his elbow every day um, with the ice and stem. He's playing it through it, which is odd to me. Like if he's got a sore elbow, why don't you just let him rest for a week or two? It's spring training, but he's playing through what appears to be some kind of a sore elbow. Hmm. Um, and then Alec Thomas, three days ago, we were told, oh, he's got a sore wrist. Um, you know, he ha- had an MRI, no structural damage. He's got some inflammation, you know, probably be a few days. Today, Tori kind of, Tori Lavello said, well, I was told when the injury happened, it would be five or six days. And I'm sitting here thinking, and I even said this to one of the broadcasters, I said, no, sore wrist, you know, we're talking weeks before that actually feels mm-hmm. right. And that can linger. I, I feel like I see, we see that every year. Those wrist issues can really just carry through the year. And then on top of that, today, Christian Walker got hit on the hand oh, no. uh, by a pitch. <laughs> uh, suffered, uh, x-rays were negative, but he suffered a contusion. And there was some like intrigue because Tori didn't come out and do the post game. They sent Jeff Bannister out to do the post game interviews, which are always done by the manager. It was short and sweet. And his initial comment was, we don't have an update on Christian Walker's situation. And then half an hour later, the PR department just said, uh, bone contusion, x-rays negative. So that's all we have. Um, but again, a bone contusion, I mean, that could be three days of a little soreness or it could be weeks. Mm-hmm. It just depends on how bad it is, right? So who knows? So it's, it's just kind of like a lot of things piling up on them one after the other. In a very short period of time, they played less than a week's worth of games. They don't have the depth of the Dodgers to absorb too many. Right. Well, Chris, guess who I drafted in the seventh round of TGFBI today? <laughs> you, have the, you have a kiss of death. I swear to God. I swear. Jeez. Isn't it terrible? <laughs> I don't want to. T- I won't tell you that I just drafted the Yankees closer in the eighth round. Oh, <laughs> come on, bro. Jeez. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just playing with you. No, Jack, a serious question. You know, the Diamondbacks are a great story last year. A really fun team to watch. Really fun to watch down the stretch. I live in Kane County, which is where their A-team used to be. So a lot of the guys that you're talking about, Alec Thomas, guys that I watched kind of come up through the system. And a, a guy that I wanted to ask you about uh, really seriously is Brandon Fott. You know, he really clicked in the second half last year. What do you think we can expect from him this year? And what was the changes? What were the changes that he made last year to allow that growth to happen in the second half? So there's kind of a funny little story behind this. Uh, Brent Strom, legendary pitching coach. Um, during the All-Star break, Fott's back home. He was in the minor leagues at that point. And he's, so he's back home just chilling for a few days during the uh, minor league All-Star break. And Brent Strom calls him up like 11 o'clock at night. And, and Fott's like, what does he want? You know, looking at his phone. So anyway, Strom had been brainstorming and thinking about 
ways to get him right. And he said to him, he said, look, we're going to need you down the stretch. We might even need you in the postseason. And just that comment is like, wow. You know, mm-hmm. here's a guy came up, got shelled about as bad as you've ever seen a guy get shelled his first, you know, half dozen outings. And the pitching coach is calling him at 11 o'clock at night while he's on break to tell him, I think I'm going to need you in the postseason. <laughs> but that's pretty trippy right there. But what he did was he, uh, Strom had him move over to the first base side of the rubber. Simple thing like that. And he he felt like the angle of his pitches and especially his sweeper would just be that much harder. And, and of course, when Strom was explaining to it to me, he kind of went over my head a little bit. Uh, <laughs> there, you know, showing the angle of pitches going this way and this way. But the bottom line was, is he instilled confidence in this guy like, hey, we're going to need you. And then he gave him a... a a very specific change, moved them over to the first base side of the rubber. And it really did help him uh, become more effective and avoid the long ball. I mean, that's the elephant in the room. Brandon fought is the long ball. If he, he throws strikes. I mean, his fastball is, you know, 93, 94. He might top out at 95 once in a while. Um, that sweeper is a really good pitch. Um, I think for him to be able to continue his development, his changeup needs to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. He tried to throw a couple yesterday, and it just floated up there. It was not, you know, not great. And that's kind of reminded me of what I saw from his changeup last year. So I think, you know, some people might be overrating what they think they're going to get out of him based on some good outings in the postseason. Some people might be underrating based on just looking at his total statistical line. I'd say go with the projection. You know, I think he looks like a – you know, high threes to low four ERA guy. I think he's solid to be able to get deep in the games most of the time. Um, I can see him giving 175 innings and a four ERA. I mean, that's kind of where I see him. Uh, I will take. I will take that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the projection right now, uh, if you look at an aggregate of the major projection systems that are out there. Uh, they give him a 140, uh, 140 innings for the season, um, which I, when I saw that, I, I was like, I think that's a little light for him because it seems like the Diamondbacks have really been deliberate in building him up to give him a, a full starters workload. I, I don't see any major injury concern with him. So yeah, I like that 175 innings that, that makes sense. And yeah, I hope that he can carry over some of those gains from the second half and postseason because he mm-hmm. he looked like he could really be, um, yeah. I don't know about a stud, but a really really good pitcher. You, you know, um, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. On our website, so we went through you know the aggregate projections. We used the, the Steamer Zips aggregate, mm-hmm. and uh, we we made a case for the over and under. Okay. You know, who knows? You know, and we did that with every player. And there's a whole page on a links hub and you can look up every single player and then go to that guy's page and then look at the case, like why he would outperform those expectations, why he might underperform. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of information there about each guy. So if you happen to drop by our website and you're trying to figure out how to project your Diamondbacks players, you want a little bit more insight, um, that, that page can bring you to any player. And that's pretty cool. Well, I know what I'm checking out right after we finish this interview. I definitely <laughs> want to see that. Um, and I will we'll post that um, in the show notes. So I want to stay on the rotation for a second here and ask you about this uh, competition for the fifth starter. Uh, I know Slade Ciccone got off to a good start the other day. Uh, they've got Ryan Nelson. They've got Tommy Henry, who I think also pitched well in his first uh, spring training outing. So Jack, what's your opinion? Who do you think 
eventually ends up with that role? Um, I think it's Tommy Henry's to lose. And I think that he's been number one on that depth chart from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, even during the off season, we asked Mike Kazen, you know, what are you thinking on the, on the fifth starter spot? He rattled off the names and Tommy Henry came first. We asked mm-hmm. Tori question. Tommy Henry came first, Ryan Nelson came second, and then the others. So, I mean, the depth chart is pretty clear. Um, and you can see that by how they line up their bullpens and how they, you know, push them out there in the games and, and so forth. Um, Henry, you know, he's not going to wow you with the stuff, right? It's 90-91 fastball. Um, you know, he throws a nice changeup. He's got a curveball, a slider. Um, a friend of mine said this a great way about Tommy, though. He said, you know, he may not have the best stuff, but he stomps around the mound like he owns the place. <laughs> and, and it's really true. And And off the mound, in the locker room, he's like the sweetest guy you'd ever meet. Like, doesn't have a mean bone in his body, but... He believes he owns the plate and he throws strikes and he attacks and, you know, his stuff doesn't do some soft contact. Now, you know, I'm not a big believer in guys beating their FIP and XFIP and all of that. I mean, you know, over the long haul, you got to strike out a few more and walk a few less. Um, You know, those you're not going to beat your peripherals forever that we all know that. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, he's got a shot to to be pretty solid. Um, Nelson is number two in that competition. And the issue with him is his secondary stuff is just hasn't, he hasn't ever been able to land it. And then it becomes too predictable. And this fastball gets hammered. I mean, he's got the best fastball amongst all these young guys, but um, if he's not able to land the secondary stuff, it's just not going to work for him. And that's what happened to him last year. The inconsistency with that. Um, Oddly enough with him, he had a slider and a cutter. Right. So he was throwing the slider like 81, the cutter like 85. Um, and the slider had better numbers and better X slug and all of that than than the cutter. But they ditched the slower slider. He's added like one mile per hour to the cutter. He's calling it a slider. Um, and even though that was the pitch that had the, the worst numbers. And what he's trying to do, I think, is a tunneling thing. He's trying to make the slider look more like the fastball. His first outing was really effective with it, yet he pitched today and he threw like 29 fastballs. And he hardly threw the slider. So I don't know what he's doing with regards to that. But to me, long term, I think Nelson's probably a reliever. I think Nelson's going to get the fifth starter spot. You mentioned Slade Sacconi first. Um, we'll come back to him. Okay. <laughs> Could be a question at the end there. So. <laughs> Fair enough. A young prospect that a lot of people are really interested in and in fantasy drafts this year is Jordan Lawler. What do you see his playing time shaking out? I mean, I know that they said very early on that Perdomo was the starter, yet you told us that Perdomo's playing a little bit banged up right now, and there's some question as to why they would be doing that. What do you think Lawler's projection playing time uh, looks like uh, this summer, Jack? So um, Mike Hazen, general manager Mike Hazen, said very clearly that um, Lawler needs to play every day. And that's been the mantra with regards to him. So, you know, that's a euphemism for we're going to start him in Reno so he can play every day. Because after, you know, Padoma made the all-star team last year and he played well last year. Sure, he had kind of a lucky first five weeks. You know, his batting numbers were off the charts above what the expected were. 
Uh, he certainly came back down to earth in that regard. But then he had a little surge towards the end. He had a couple of postseason home runs. He played solid defense. He runs well. You know, so, mm-hmm. I mean, like, how, he's got a great attitude. He's a good leader. How do you sit this guy down? He just made the all-star team and was the shortstop on the National League pennant winners. You know, so you, you can't just bench him or turn him into a utility guy. So my guess is that Podomo starts the season, but he's going to have to continue to play well. Um, and Lawler starts the season in Triple A. There's sure this injury scenarios aside, could Lawler somehow win the starter's job in spring training? I don't think so. I mean, I, even if he hit like half a dozen homers and hit 400, I don't think they're going to do that. Um, unless, unless there's an injury, um, he's not going to get to do that. So it's going to have to. He's going to have to wait a little bit. He's 21 years. Not the end of the world. Um, I don't think they care about that performance uh, incentive bonus. In, you know, he's not Corbin Carroll. He's not like a lock to win the Rookie of the Year. So they're not worried about the draft pick. Right. Um, so right. you know, but when he does come up, he'll play. When when he once he comes up, then he'll play four or five times a week at least. Start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, especially what you said about Perdomo. You know, just everything I've read, like the clubhouse, he's a good clubhouse guy. Like, given his performance, like he's he's given himself uh, enough cachet there that it's it's gonna he's gonna have a little runway. Um, we will be watching this. Uh, what you mentioned with his elbow, see if there's anything to that. But um, you know, right. that makes sense that Lawler's gonna have to wait a little bit. So it sounds like Perdomo is gonna be in that opening day lineup, assuming health. Uh, Jack, what do you think the rest of this lineup uh, looks like? What would be your prediction one through nine? Okay, so I have it typed out here. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to ask me to do that by memory, were you? <laughs> <Yeah>, no. <laughs> okay, so uh, Yamamoto's going to start. So he's a right-handed pitcher, right? So Carroll's going to lead off. Marte will, uh, Cattell Marte will uh, bat second. I think Christian Walker will bat third, and Jock Peterson will bat fourth. Um, at, at DH, of course, um, probably Marino. Here, here's where it gets just a little dicey. I mean, you got Moreno, Guriel, and Suarez, three right-handed hitters, right? Mm-hmm. The catcher, Gabriel Moreno, gold glove winner, Lourdes Guriel, um, and Eugenio Suarez. So I've got them five, six, and seven. But he may want to bump Alec Thomas up the lineup a little bit to uh, break up all the righties. So that's a possibility. But right the way I have it written out right now, Thomas is eighth and Perdomo's ninth. Okay. Um, so. yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, do you see anybody um, like moving up or down over the course of the season? Like, how do you think that might change? Um, so I could see Moreno actually getting back up to the third spot. They, they, started using him in the third spot in the, in the uh, postseason. The only concern I have with him is he's a little double play prone. So, mm. um, you know, he hits the ball, makes contact, but he hits the ball the other way a lot, you know, and mm. you kind of worry about him grinding the double plays. Um, and so I think he, I don't know, it's quite a high double play percentage last year. So they may beg off that, but that's possible. I mean, he's a, he's a candidate to move up. Um, you know, and then you have Alec Thomas who, uh, you know, assuming that wrist isn't a long-term issue, um, he's one of the guys that projected to improve a lot this year. Um, you know, kind of going back to the projections real quick, a lot of the Diamondbacks actually project to be worse than they were last year. <laughs> um, it, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. You have young players that haven't done it two, three years right. in a row. 
Um, so, you know, and regression is a harsh mistress, right? So that's what well, ain't, that, ain't that the truth. <laughs> you know all about that, Mike. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I know life is a regression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Thomas is actually projected to improve and, um, you know, he's put a lot of work in to quiet down the leg kick and, and stop bailing out. That's his big swing flaw. Um, he's got pop in there. So, you know, he's a guy that could work his way higher up the order. Uh, certainly the other back to Perdomo real quick, you know, it looks like he's put on about 10 pounds of bulk. Um, and he was challenged to, uh, batting right-handed to get a little bit more pop going in the swing. You know, he was just kind of slapping at the ball. Back, right. Um, so <laughs> in batting practice, he's swinging for the fences all the time and hitting a lot of <laughs> home. But we'll see how that works out. I hope we don't get the little guy syndrome swinging for the right, fence. Right. <laughs> well, the, the Carter family here are big fans of Perdomo and Thomas because they played in Kane County and they were always so good to our kids. And so we hope, you know, I know we're talking about baseball and fantasy baseball, but we really root for those guys and, and hope for the best for them. Um, Jack, a question I had for you that's a little bit off the path of what we usually do on the show, but uh, Dave McKay is one of the coaches for the Diamondbacks and talk about another legendary uh, coach on their staff. He's considered to be one of the best base running coaches in the major leagues, if not the best. Can you tell us a little bit about his role on the team and, and how you think that that helped translate to the field last year for the Diamondbacks? Sure. Um, I'm going to blow your time here. If you let me uh, on Dave McKay. So cut me off. Cause this guy, he is a legend. I mean, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, first of all, he's 74 years old. He's got a V-cut body. Um, the younger players have a hard time keeping up with him in the gym. Wow. So we'll start right there. Um, you know, he's meticulous. His attention to detail. He's both the base running coach and the outfield coach. Mm -hmm. Equally great at both. I mean, he's taken a lot of mediocre outfielders and turned them into pretty good ones. Um, somehow he got coached David Peralta to winning a gold glove. So <laughs> that's an accomplishment. That's a, that's a, that's a miracle. <laughs> but I, I got a couple of quick little anecdotes if, if you got time for them. Yeah. So last year sitting in, uh, I'm sitting in the uh, locker room, watch while well, watching him sit in the locker room and uh, Jake McCarthy sitting next to him. And McCarthy's like kind of looking over, you know, to McKay's uh, shoulder and he's got a stopwatch in his hand and they're studying pitchers together. And they're timing up, you know, the guys. And then up on the screen, there's a game going on. Philadelphia base runner got thrown out at home. And all of a sudden, you see McKay kind of waving his arm in a circular motion. And he was talking about how the runner's route was incorrect and the way he slid. You know, like every single waking moment is a, is a teaching moment for him. Mm -hmm. He moves around the clubhouse and does that with everybody. When he's on the field, you, his hands are on the players. You're never going to hear Dave shouting across the field. He's quiet verbally, but he's got his hands on the players. He's actually physically guiding their first step and their first move, showing them exactly how to do it. It's not, none of it's revolutionary stuff, but he also holds them accountable. He's got a, he's very mm -hmm. famous. He's got this, uh, this chart that they, they put up in the weight room, okay? And it's a color-coded chart. And if you made a good play, a good base running play or a good defensive play, you know, you get your green, you get your green uh, notice, you get your gold star. And if you screw That's what it, I do with my kids, yeah. <laughs> the error, you know, you get, a, you get a red mark, you get a debit check mark on there 
you know, you get a black mark on your, I don't, I don't know. I haven't gotten the weight room. We're not allowed in there, but I, I've heard about this sheet and it's all about accountability, right? Mm -hmm. So like he's meticulous, he cares. Uh, McCarthy told me just a funniest story. He said he was talking about Kirk Gibson with him. And he said, I didn't know that he used to play football and he used to be really fast. I just thought of him as the hobbled old guy that hit the home run in the world <laughs> series. McKay slaps him across the arm and he goes, Hey, I was in the other dugout. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. And then McCarthy's sitting on the couch with his girlfriend another time. And you know, he's watching a 1990 world series reds and A's. And there's Dave McKay standing out there in this fuzzy picture next to first base. And he goes, that's my coach. But when I, when I asked McCarthy about McKay, the first words out of his mouth were, I love that guy. I hope he's my coach forever. And that's to cool. a man, every guy in that team feels that way. So that's what a coach is. That's what a teacher is. Yeah. He connects with people, makes them know that he cares. He's meticulous in his attention to detail, knows what he's talking about. And he follows through and holds people accountable. That's a great teacher. That's a great coach. Mm -hmm. It's not magic. It's not like he has some secrets that nobody else knows. I mean, he, I'm sure after be doing this for 60 years, he does know some things that maybe a few people don't know, but it's really more about the quality of human being. That's fascinating. Really good stuff. Thanks for sharing that. I tried to shorten it up. I'm telling you, man. No, no, that's <laughs> very, really interesting. Um, I do want to ask you on this topic of, um, you know, base stealing and Christian Walker was a guy that really surprised us last season. He stole 11 bases, a guy that never, you know, was no known for his, his base running ability. Um, in fantasy, a lot of people are drafting Christian Walker, like those 11 steals, especially from a first baseman really carry a lot of weight. So, um, I'm sure people are wondering, do you think that he's going to get like, was that an intentional thing that you think he'll carry over into the season? Well, I went and asked him today because I saw the question and I told oh, him wow. today and I said, so what's the deal, man? You stole 11, you know, and he just looked at me and he kind of winked and he goes, 20, baby, 20. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. That's what we like to hear, Mike. <laughs> there you go. That seventh round pick is, is looking better now. Well, he was confusing it all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's all opportunity, right? I mean, it's right. right. You've got pop time. You've got catcher arm and how how long it takes to get the ball down the second base you've got the uh pitchers time to the plate it's it's math and and that's it they stick to that like religiously and christian walker's really smart mm -hmm. he's a very good about the speed right you know so it's definitely he's the slowest runner on the team yeah but he's also if not the smartest certainly you know highest IQ and highest baseball IQ of just about anybody out there on the field. And so he's got those, you know, he knows when he can go. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to take advantage of every single opportunity he gets that, you know, where, where, where it fits, right. Yeah. It, it means something at that point in time in the game and the math adds up. So, you know, it, some of that's luck, right? I mean, you know, he may not get that math equation, more than half a dozen times during the year. And it just so happened that, you know, the opportunity was there a little bit more often than it usually is for him. Mm -hmm. As part of that math equation is his speed down to, from first to second. <laughs> right. Mike, I think we might, th this sounds like, uh, like breaking news. That'll be on the mining the news, uh, article on fan graphs. Christian Walker stealing or wants to steal 20 bases. Oh, right. Be, be still my beating heart. He, yeah. he, 
he was joking. So don't don't put that. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> but he is he is a fantastic player. I mean, he's really a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Jack, I have another question for you too. Um, if, is there any guy either on the major league roster or on the minor league side that you think could surprise people this year and seize a larger role on this team? Yeah. Um, so I've got a couple. Um, I'm going to go back to Jake McCarthy. Um, some that some people might find that surprising, but you know they signed Peterson and they signed um, Gritchick, which narrows greatly his pathway to playing time, right? Um, but as I as I wrote in my article um, yesterday or day before, and, t- and talking to him, you know, a million things can happen. And if he gets the playing time, if somebody goes down and he gets the playing time, he's really focused on um, getting back to his true self, syncing up that swing, getting his separation the load right. He's got power. The the pop is in there. I'm not talking about thirty forty homer power, but you know. Yes, Reno is somewhat like hitting on the moon. We get it. But 21, 22, 23 combined, 529 at-bats, 30 doubles, 13 triples, 23 homers, you know, like a 134 WRC plus. The pop is in there. Um, And if anything happens that allows him to get 400-plus plate appearances, 12, 15 homers and 35 bags is pretty good. And that's that play. I mean, he was the better hitter than what he showed last year. It was interesting because I heard, you know, I'm a White Sox fan, unfortunately. And when they made the trade to get uh, Fletcher, the rumor here was that they had the choice between Fletcher and McCarthy, and they chose Fletcher, which I found interesting because I think Fletcher is going to be a good player. But I thought, you know, McCarthy has that upside that you're talking about that was intriguing to me. Yeah, I think I think he has. Uh, Dominic's a good ball player too. I would. Mm-hmm. And another good person. So you'll mm-hmm. enjoy. He hustles. He plays hard. You know all that good stuff. Good defender. Got a great arm. Um, you know, I, I think he hits the ball on the ground a little too much. Um, he's going to have to kind of correct that. And he doesn't run very fast. Um, you know, so those things are kind of. I think that's going to limit him a little bit. Um, you know, in, in Jake's case, the bottom line is if he does hit with some pop, and you know he can get back to a higher OBP because pitchers will have to respect him, right? And so, you know, he'll get a few pitches around the zone that he can take and on, on the edge of the zone and get back on base. So, you know, I, I look as bad a year as he had last year. Look what he still did stolen base-wise, right? So you get this guy 400 plate appearances. Um, you know, he's going to steal you 30 bags, and I think he's going to give you a dozen homers. Awesome stuff. Well, Jack, uh, we're coming to the end of our time here. Uh, this was really great. I got to say, like, I, I'm sure Mike would echo this. Like, you – you brought it like you you were so well prepared and you know it's not all the time that we get guests who are like talking about projections and like um you know that that deep of analysis do you play fantasy at all um so i haven't played fantasy baseball since 2008 when because i went to work for the diamondbacks as an analyst gotcha. uh, for a few years and uh at that point, you know, I just stopped playing fantasy because I was too busy with work, but also, you know, I was playing in money leagues and you're not supposed to gamble on the sport. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So I just stopped playing. Um, and I never went back to actually playing fantasy baseball. And then, uh, working for the team, I left for a little while. I, my other career is in the footwear industry. I was in footwear manufacturing and sourcing overseas in Asia for many years. There's the shoe wizard. Okay. (laughs) I was going to ask about that too. 
for you. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I set up a Gmail account, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, I had one last sleeper for you, though. Uh, Slate. Yes. Oh, yes. Slate, Slate Zaccone. Tell us about him. So um, he's got a four-pitch mix. I really like his attitude. He lets it roll off his back. He's almost like a little goofy, but um, he's, he's a great guy. But I think he's a really good pitcher. I think he's got a good, hard fastball. His slider's terrific. Um, and uh, I think he's a sleeper guy. I think he actually if, – if Henry falters and Nelson's in the bullpen – Boom! There you go. You, you all of a sudden, you know, Sacconi's got a dozen starts to prove himself, and I, I think he could. Right, and you know, Hello. we know at some point if he's even the sixth man or the sixth starter, sure someone's going to get injured or something's going to happen where uh, he'll get an opportunity. So definitely, uh, he he caught my eye the other day. Um, he looked good in spring training and uh, looked yep. in him a little bit more. Definitely intrigued. So. Uh, sounds like a good call out, but, um, all right. So I, and Mike, I think we'll, we'll end it there. We'll, uh, save, um, further discussion for next week. Uh, I know you got to get going and so do I. So, but, uh, again, Jack, this was awesome. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. If you can just, um, just remind everybody where they could find you on social media and where they could find, um, where they could find your work. Sure. So uh, at TrueWizard59 is my Twitter handle, uh, Jack Summers at TrueWizard59. The uh, website is uh, on Fan Nation, which is part of Sports Illustrated. It's uh, inside the Diamondbacks. And the URL, very simple, si.com slash MLB slash Diamondbacks. All right. Definitely go check out Jack's work. All right, so we will end it there for next week. We will be having on the great Eno Saris with us. Um, wow. Talk about pitching, stuff plus, lots of stuff. So we are really uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, so stay tuned. But uh, for my co-host, Mike Carter, I am Chris Torres. Thank you so much for listening to the Fantasy Baseball Beat.